Welcome back to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin podcast. I'm your host, Allie Parsons, and we are in a new series called Rescue Mission. Pastor Joby says it all the time. Once you're rescued, you become a part of the rescue team. And this series for five weeks, we're bringing on our friends and partners in ministry who are doing just that. They are living out what it means to be on the rescue team. And this week, we have our partner, Compassion International. Compassion is an organization and their mission is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. And so this week we have Kevin Myers. He's the senior manager of church engagement with Compassion. He's been a longtime friend of Pastor Joby and of our church. We also have a woman, Kathy Failing. She's a longtime Compassion sponsor. She's a devoted 1122er and she just retired and is evaluating what it looks like for retirement to be for the rescue team instead of recreation. She also happens to be my mom, so the conversation does get interesting, but we talk about everything from why child sponsorship matters, the realities of abject poverty, um, and what keeps Kevin from Compassion up at night. It's a great conversation. You don't want to miss. I'm so excited you're here. Here's our conversation. Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. Welcome to the Deepen Podcast with Pastor Joby Martin. I am Pastor Ryan Britt, and uh, man, excited to dig in tonight. This is the Deepen Podcast with Pastor Joby Martin, but we're doing this one without Pastor Joby Martin. And uh, I love him very much. I am bald. And I do have a beard, but I don't have near the awesome beard that Pastor Joby has. Close enough. Um, the reason we're here uh, and Pastor Joby's not is because we're recording this on a Thursday night after our 722 service here at 1122. And he, uh, he's he been sick. And this morning he uh, decided that he wasn't going to be able to preach tonight. So he asked me to step in. And uh, that's really saying something because Pastor Joby is quite the boss. I have seen him over many years preach uh, through much sickness and physical pain and do it without complaining. And nice. I've actually never heard him complain about anything ever. And um, and so uh, our prayers are with him. We know he's going to recover quickly, and hopefully uh, he'll be back in the helm on Sunday. Um, but that said, we're going to roll the deep in podcast. Uh, we are in week two of Rescue Mission, a series where we're looking at the landed invasion of Jesus Christ and how he came to rescue us from sin, and he came to rescue us to be a part of the rescue team. Last week, we talked about he rescued us from human tradition, had a great conversation in the Deepen podcast about that. And then today, we uh, this weekend, we're talking about he came to rescue us from this broken world. And we're doing that by primarily focusing on our partnership with Compassion International, longtime ministry partner. And God has used our church and Compassion International's partnership together to see uh, ten, well, uh, tens of thousands, uh, 14 plus thousand kids set free from poverty in Jesus' name over the last 10 years. And he's not done yet. We're praying that thousands more get sponsored this weekend through the Church of 1122. It's going to be awesome. Let me introduce my friends. I'm here with Kevin Myers, who works with Compassion International, is a dear friend of mine, dear friend of Pastor Joby in our church, uh, lives in North Carolina, attends online. Uh, in addition to attending his uh, local church and um, loves what God's doing here, and we love him very much and are excited to dig in with him. Allie Parsons is here. She uh, normally hosts the Deepen podcast and would be hosting tonight, but but, you're um, but since I preached <laughs> and there was much to explain about Joby not being here, I just went for it. And uh, uh, and so Allie's going to take over the kind of leading the conversation here in just a second, and we're also here with Kathy Failing. Kathy is a longtime 1122-er. She, uh, her family has been an integral part of what God's done through this movement over the years, and uh, she has sponsored many, many, many Compassion Kids through the years, and God has used the ministry of Compassion in her life and her in the life of children all over the world, um, and that mutual relationship is just deep and rich, and God's been all over it, and so we're excited to dig in with uh, Kathy. Um, and, and it's important to note that Kathy is also Allie's mom. Yeah. And it was not Allie's idea for Kathy to be here <laughs> when we uh, when we when Pastor Joby wasn't here uh, this earlier today. I just was thinking about this podcast and what would make the conversation meaningful, and immediately God brought Kathy to my mind. 
And uh, and so here she is. Thanks for being oh, thank here. You. And she's fresh off the plane from a mission I, trip to Panama. Yes, I got in uh, one thirty last night, so I sleep at two. And I did not take that nap that you suggested. Oh, well. <laughs> so because once I found out I was doing this, I had to do a lot of prep. Well, so we're glad you're here. Sure Thanks for being here, Allie. I, let's jump in. Yeah, I did want to say one thing though it. is that it's also my husband Bill is involved in this. He's just the silent partner behind silent the compassion. <laughs> Bill is the best dressed man I know. hundred <laughs> percent. He's wearing a reindeer, colorful reindeer button down in this moment with reindeer headband antlers. I love a man who is un- unashamedly loves Christmas. <laughs> he he does do that. Uh, I should also mention that my mom and I were both blessed with a raspy voice. And so if you're listening, it might be hard to tell when we switch <laughs> From talking, but uh, yeah, we, we sound pretty similar. But thank you guys for being here. I'm really excited to talk both about the side of what it's like to be on the ministry side of compassion um, and what it's like to be on the sponsor side and how your faith has been deepened through your sponsorships. And Pastor Britt, I mean, I've known you for a few years now, and one thing I know without a doubt is your heart for global mission and we're lucky you live in the States because sometimes your heart is somewhere around the world. For sure. And, uh, and so I think you'll have so much to contribute to the conversation. Uh, so before we dive in to talking about global poverty and rescuing children in Jesus' name, I thought we'd start with a little icebreaker in the name of Christmas. Pastor Britt loves Christmas, so it's only fitting that we talk about it for a few minutes. So I want to ask this question. Name something about Christmas that most people like, but you do not like. You do not like that most people like. And I'll go first so you have a second to think about it. But I do not like, unpopular opinion, I do not like eggnog. And I love it. I don't like it spiked. I don't like it regular. I don't like it in my coffee. I think it's gross how it's made and what ingredients are in it. And it's just not my thing. Kevin, we'll start with you. Gosh, I'm I'm changing my mind right now when you, when you said that. I don't like opening presents, uh, wrapped presents for hours on end. Oh, scandalous oh, opinion. Would, it is a scandalous yeah, opinion. Yeah, you would make it. It's my house. opinion. <laughs> when your kids were smaller, did y'all open presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Christmas Day was our thing. That's right. Yep. It's because you love Jesus. Yep, that's right. We had one. The I don't know what before. love of Jesus has to do with that, but yeah, that's, that was the. I feel like that is the right way yep, to do it. Yep. <laughs> we um, missed on two things already. We're long Christmas openers, Eve? and no, we do one present Christmas. Yeah, Eve. that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, this one may not be popular with this group, but I actually don't like when people start Christmas songs nonstop. Right after Thanksgiving. And I think you might start in like August or something. I would start in August if my family would let me. See, so your wife might be a little bit like me because my husband does the same thing. Thanksgiving's that's like pretty normal. Well, you don't even first when do you no- like to listen to Christmas? Yeah, well, music? first of November. Your dad would start in August with him if he had a choice. And then it's not just the playing, it's constant. We, like we can't switch the kind of music. It's got to be Christmas mix. For sure. I pick like two or three records or albums and just do that, <laughs> just you know, for, for five sure. Months. Yeah, right now I'm on Crowder. Crowder's <laughs> new uh, Christmas album, Milk and Cookies. It's the best. <laughs> There's a song there, The Ballad of Mrs. Claus. So she's so tired of the beard in his crazy career. That's the lyric. I love wow. that. Thank you. Wow. Okay, what about you? I don't like <clears throat> um, people who are like, wild about real tree only it's not that i don't like the people i just think they take it a little <laughs> far when it comes to the real tree thing spoken like you, a true non-real tree you can be a real treer if you want to that's fine just don't judge the fake treers because people like me are fake treers because we want to put our christmas tree up as close to labor day as possible <laughs> and and the tree won't live that long the if judgment I, goes beyond be having a fake tree for me with that statement. It's more that you're putting it up for four months than well, it is. I never being get fake. to. My kids and my wife will never let me. But so I try to start. If you live in uh, Western North Carolina, though, you can you can go cut the tree and it, it lasts longer because you don't have to ship it to Florida. That's yeah, the thing. That's I feel true. like that's deeply right. offensive to a North Carolina native. That's right. They Gotta grow their tree. Christmas trees. Just go in your backyard and cut one. I think that's where we all get them from. Your state. I think so, yeah. Well, I got mine from Craigslist. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's get into it. We love compassion. It's no secret. 
And I just have to confess something that, um, you know, we just kicked off this 1010 Life Initiative. It's a two-year discipleship journey where we are looking at John 1010 and evaluating, are we living an abundant life? And the abundant life is Jesus. And there's a large financial component of the 1010 Life. And my husband and I have committed an amount that is significant. And so today... And this just started. We had our first big give weekend last weekend. And today I was in the offices and there was a stack of five or so packets. And I was just combing through them. And I was telling my team, you know, does anybody feel like we just started this initiative and I just don't have the budget to sponsor a new compassion child? And right as I said that, I looked down And I was holding this packet that says, hi, my name is Sunny. And it's a girl who lives in Honduras. And my daughter's name is Sunny. And in that moment, God was like, you do have the budget. (laughs) And you will be sponsoring this girl. Um, So I immediately texted my husband. And uh, and so now we just sponsored our third compassion child tonight. Very unplanned. But now Sunny is added to our list. So we're a longtime compassion sponsors. Um, obviously, my mom is on this podcast because, and in front of her, she has what looks like about 100 photos of <laughs> compassion children because it is kind of her thing. And and before we get into it, I also want to put out a disclaimer that, you know, Romans says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So when you hear my mom talk about how many letters she writes and how well she keeps in touch with all of her compassion children— just know that there is no condemnation if you haven't written your, your kid in a few months, <laughs> me being one of them. Or if they haven't written you. There's or if they haven't written you. Some people get frustrated. Receive it as a gentle, a gentle con- encouragement. Convic- a gentle conviction <laughs> and reminder to write your compassion kid. Yeah, I feel that conviction. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's, let's dive in. Pastor Britt, I do want to start with you because I want to hear about when you first got involved with compassion and why compassion is so important to our church. Yeah, I've been involved with Compassion long before joining the staff here at 1122. I was in my early 20s, and I was working for uh, an events organization called Student Life that was based out of Birmingham, and we did ministry events like youth camps and conferences for teenagers all over the country. And we would travel. I was traveling like 200 days a year doing this. It was awesome. So we'd have events that were anywhere from like a 1,000 kids to like – Eight or 10,000 kids, depending on the kind of event. And we knew we wanted to challenge the next generation, those students, um, to do hard things, things that felt hard, and, and uh, to, to, to be a part of the rescue team. And so we began to look for a ministry partner at that organization, when I was with that organization, that did child sponsorship because we thought um, that, that fostered relationships. And through child sponsorship, and that there was an exchange, it wasn't just dropping money in a well. It was like there was a there was a relationship to it. And so, we started uh, learning about different organizations. Um, and one of the things that we were very close fisted about was it needed to be gospel centered, and it needed to be the ministry needed to happen through local churches in that community. Well, compassion. There may be others in the world now. Back then, we we went through many organizations, much of whom do great work, mm. uh, but they weren't explicitly gospel-centered, meaning discipleship was their primary goal and focus, and they weren't ministries delivered through the local church, and Compassion was the only one. Mm. And so I immediately fell in love with Compassion International, sort of traveling with Compassion International, Uh, in my young 20s, and I went on many, many vision trips or trips to see the work of compassion over the years. And um, God really, through that, ignited my heart for the least of these and for church planting in marginalized parts of the world. And like to separate my ministry call and ministry effectiveness, not not effective, but my ministry call, my ministry life and whatever God would ever use me to do. To, like I can't separate that from the reality of Compassion International and the the global call that God's put on my life, that those things are so intertwined and married. Like. Sure. It's uh, it's very very significant. Kevin was one of the first people that I called. He and I were friends before I came here, and um, he was one of the people I called when I was praying about coming down here. 
And I didn't even really know at the time. That's a whole story, but I was working at a large church in Atlanta, and Joby and the team had started 1122 and were maybe a year in when I when God first started leading us down here. And Kevin and Joby had been friends for a long time, and I called Kevin. And Kevin, he was awesome. He was kind of like, he's like, man, Joby, Pastor Joby's like one of my best friends in the world. I'd do anything for that guy. You should totally go there, but don't go there until you get my foot in the door at the big church that you work at right now to get all to get all those people to sponsor <laughs> kids and uh, and so I, I say that uh, kind of in jest, but it was true. Uh, that said, he was one of the first people I called and was great counsel in coming down here. So my life, my family's life, we sponsor uh, many kids and have sponsored uh, many kids over, over the years, and um, it's just all so intertwined. Praise mm, God. It's good. So Kevin, how did you get involved with compassion, and what led you to? decide to serve that ministry vocationally. Yeah, it's a long story, so I'll give you the very abbreviated version, kind of the punchline version. Um, I was a healthcare executive for 20 years, and uh, my wife and I felt convicted to go on a mission trip like you just came back from. And uh, before we went, uh, we decided to take our four- and six-year-old on that trip which most people thought we were crazy, but we decided to do that. And uh, one of my friends, Greg Frady, uh, me, uh, convinced me to uh, sponsor two kids. Uh, I knew that much about Compassion, really didn't know anything about it. But we, we sponsored Carlos and Yandri in the Dominican Republic, the same gender and age as my kids, almost exclusively for the benefit of my own kids. Because I was looking at as a dad and just a layperson in the church as a way to disciple my own kids. That was my main priority. And so we decided to do that. Um, honestly, I, if I'm honest, I thought compassion was a scam. I really did. And so about a month before we went on this mission trip, I called Colorado Springs and asked if we could meet our kids. And I thought for sure they would say, no, those kids are, uh, you know, that's just a stock photo of a kid. You know, the picture on your fridge are not real. Yeah. And uh, But they said, where and when are you going to be? And so uh, God did three things on that trip that changed my life. Again, I'm in healthcare at that time. Uh, I saw poverty. I'd seen it before, but not through the lens of a father. I mean, I had my now five and seven-year-old. They had recently turned five and seven. And they were playing with these little Haitian refugee kids. And uh, there was no difference in those kids except where they were born. And the poverty wrecked me because I was seeing it kind of as a father for the first time because we hadn't done a mission trip uh, since before our kids were born. The second thing is, is sure enough, we met our two compassion kids, and it it freaked me out, if I can be honest, because we had kind of spiritually adopted them, and seeing them for real um, was profound. It wasn't like an Oprah moment because we had just started sponsoring them, uh, but in retrospect, that's the best way I've ever discipled my kids. Mm. And so that happened. And then the third thing is we were doing medical clinics, uh, much like you were talking about uh, during your service, Britt. And uh, um, my wife's a physician, and we were working with a Dominican pastor and his wife, and his, the pastor's wife was a physician. And so we were partnered up, and she was super impressive. She's a pastor's wife and a doc, and she was pregnant at the time, and we were doing the 12-hour clinics and, and so forth. And uh uh, I was telling this story recently, and I said in passing, but now now I realize it was really God's providence. Uh, at the end of that trip, for no reason except probably God prompted her, she saw fit to tell me that she used to be a compassion kid. And most of my career, I was a consultant. So hospitals hired me to find what their problems were and solutions to those problems. And in that moment, I saw a solution to a lot of problems, lostness, poverty, all that stuff. And so I come back to my friend Greg, who's in my connect group at my church, uh, shows that connect groups are super important. And he said, if you really want to punt your career, uh, there's a job or two at Compassion I think you could do. And they were starting a church team and they hired a bunch of pastors and me. Uh, and that, that was 14 years ago and it's the best move I've ever made. Wow. So sorry for the that's long awesome. answer. No, but that's great. It. 14 that's years. Awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, all right, mom, you know, I didn't acknowledge that my mom's really on the podcast, which is really fun for me. And what a treat. Yeah, and treat um, you know that it's your mom on the podcast because I sent her some questions that we would be going through. And she sent me back questions that she thought were better. I'm like, no, no, this isn't like a give and take situation. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I always appreciate your wisdom. Okay, so how did you first find out about Compassion 
And what does compassion mean to you? Well, it wasn't as long ago as either of you. Um, and um, I'm sure Joby will appreciate this one since he couldn't be here. But it was in 2011, and we were still at um, the church was still at Beaches Methodist. And we were actually at two churches at the time. We were, my late mother in law was at one, we were at our old church, and we were going with Allie and over to Beaches Methodist. And I, all I remember is, I don't know, don't know if I have this right, so Joby could probably correct me or any of you that were there, when he did that thing about um, if you take this packet and then you throw it in the garbage, yes. that's what you've done with this child. Yep. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh. You know, for, at the time, I think it was $30, $35 a, a month. So anyway, we got our first compassion child. You oh, couldn't throw the packet in the trash. Throw the packet in the trash. Well, you, he, he, it he did worked. The, it worked. <laughs> he did that thing where you already had the packet. I already found the child because we went by birthdays. We all have October birthdays. And so I picked an October birthday, a, a girl named Peace in Uganda. She was seven when we first um, sponsored her. She's 18. Yeah. I have a picture here of her before and after. She's a beautiful girl and, we, and she writes regularly. So that was our first. And then from there, it's just kind of taken off. And I think as I've, I kind of use the example with compassion of our involvement with this church as we've become more involved and really surrendered more and, be, and the sanctification process has worked within my husband and I, um, we found that the ones we sponsored probably isn't enough. And so every time we went along when we said we weren't going to sponsor another child, when one would come along, we'd sponsor another child. I mean, that story Allie just told was me over and over. And then one time it was Bill. So I'll tell that story maybe a little bit later. And I will brag on you because you probably won't say it, but just so everyone knows what we're talking about when we say you're a longtime compassion sponsor. You currently, you all currently sponsor 10 kids. You've sponsored 14 total over the past, you said 2011 was your first one. So over the past really about 10 years, 11 years, you have one LDP kid, uh, which is... Leadership development. They're going to college, basically. And in 2019, you sponsored a compassion center to be opened in Honduras. 2020. 2020. Just to correct you there, 2020. Yes, what happened there is, again, this church and the involvement and um, the the idea that um, I was very blessed, as Allie knows, uh, her father stayed home and I worked, so we had reverse roles. And um, I was gone a lot, but we were very blessed in what I was able to do and financially. And, but at the end of my career, I just retired this year, at the end of my career, I was like, there must be something more. I kind of felt like the ladder was on the wrong wall, like um, Joby talks about. And so um, I actually met with Stone first and then Adam, and I kept saying, what what could more could I do? I, I really love Compassion. And then it hit me because a young woman from Compassion, Amrutha, was visiting. I thought she knew our church. I thought you all sent her. And they didn't. She just happened to be being new with compassion. She was in the area. She asked me to lunch, and it just hit my heart. She said, there's all these other kind of things you can do. And um, I said, well, what about a center? What about if I opened a center? And we tried to do it with the church. That didn't necessarily work out. But we were still wrestling with it. And the idea was that I'd open a center every year that I was still working because it allowed me to say, this isn't mine anyway and have it be something more formal that could get me really excited mm-hmm. about it. So what happened is uh, someone bailed in, during COVID um, on a commitment, which I totally understand. She called and said, what about Honduras? And Allie and Wes had just had um, three girls live with them from Honduras, originally from Honduras, and have now been fostered and adopted. And uh-huh. I just said I knew it was God. Yeah. So we did Honduras. So it's been open, Honduras opened, the center opened in 2021, and that impact is is greater. It's a 250 families on average and a whole community gets changed. Amen. Come on. Okay, so there are a lot of world relief programs and Compassion's mission and vision is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. Why? I know it, it sounds kind of silly because we're the part of a church and we're talking a lot about Jesus and his word, but... Why do those last three words, in Jesus' name, why is that the backbone of the whole thing? Why does that matter so much? Yeah. You want me to go? Yeah, I mean, it it means everything, obviously. Uh, child sponsorship is really how it's financed, if you think about it. 
Uh, I mean, there are child sponsorship organizations that do feeding. They're they're a food ministry, and it's all, like you said in your sermon, it's awesome, but they're all about food. There are other things that are education-focused and so forth. Compassion's discipleship-focused, and so I work with pastors and churches, so it's easy for me to talk about Luke 2.52, where Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. If you break that down, that's four areas that Jesus himself developed in. Uh, and the foundation of that is spiritual development. And so it's all about discipleship. Um, and the soil is is really good. It's funny, I was at the Orange Conference, which is a conference in Atlanta, a couple years ago, and there's this st- statistic that came out at that conference that the average American church kid gets 39 hours of church-based discipleship a year, and the average compassion kid gets 400 discipleship hours a year at the Come church. On, wow. And so it really is, like you said in your sermon, a uh, discipleship ministry. And so over the course of 10 or 15 years when they're in the program, it's just really good soil. And uh, uh, we have a lot of kids that grow up to be spiritually mature adults, and they begin to change their country from the inside out. And that's really what we're after. Amen. Uh, when my mom was talking about opening the center during covid uh, because a sponsor had to pull out, which COVID was highly traumatic for anyone that really experienced it. And um, has COVID impacted the Ministry of Compassion at all? For sure. You know, we're in 25, now 27 countries, and every country is different, right? Every country had different governmental mandates and so forth. So a lot of a lot of projects, particularly early on, shut down. Mm-hmm. And so it became, whereas the kids usually come to the church, the church had to go out to the kids. So there were, there were a lot of things like that that were very country-specific and even city-specific. But uh, I think the biggest thing that came out of COVID is there's a, uh, a looming, uh, incredibly uh, alarming global food crisis. Uh, and part of it is because of the COVID uh, economic implications. Um, you know, Ukraine, the war in Ukraine has, has caused problems. Supply chain issues have caused problems. You know, we think we have inflation bad. It's horrible in the developing world. Um, I happened to be in Africa about a month ago. Uh, observationally, I think the biggest problem is is there's like a, a, a water crisis over mm-hmm. there. And so crops aren't growing. They were, they were telling me in Kenya that uh, it hadn't rained significantly in like three years. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things are kind of have created a stew that have uh, desperately impacted uh, our projects around the world, and, and, the, and the kids are uh, in worse shape than they were before. Mm-hmm. Very similar to the states, by the yeah, way, in that— We're in, we're in class, right? We're yeah, they weren't in class, yeah. so they were home. So yeah. rates of domestic abuse skyrocketed. Yeah. Uh, suicide skyrocketed. Uh, just like in, in the States, I mean, kids are having anxiety and depression and mm-hmm. so forth over there. And so it's 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 problematic for mm-hmm. sure. I've mm-hmm. even noticed it in the kids in the letters. I don't, mm-hmm. as a compassion sponsor, you don't always get letters. So sometimes, I, and a lot of sponsors don't send letters, but if you have a child that's writing a lot through that COVID, there was a gap. And then they wrote, and then they wrote about you could you could feel the pain of, mm-hmm. of being away from the center. They have friends at the center, yeah. or in the case of the Honduras center, it started virtually. Yeah, and so you know they it's different. And so mm-hmm. what the pain that we experienced here in the United States, imagine I can't even imagine mm-hmm. what it would be like to be in another country that doesn't have the resources that we do. For sure. Yeah, and on a macro scale, you know, the the church of Jesus Christ, the redeemed saints, are by far the most significant force of generosity in the world. Uh, Barna actually just put out a report. Uh, I'm going I'm to get it wrong. Um, but ba- Barna put out a report that said that, that the church does more to alleviate – the church of North America does more to alleviate global poverty than the government. Mm. <laughs> and um, – Next time I'm on the podcast, we'll get, I'll find the stats and we can talk all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that said, it's a significant force for good in the world, the church is, no question about it. But to your question about in Jesus' name, man, that's the linchpin, you know? It's the domino that tips. It's like uh, a lot of times people come to us for counsel in regards to how to use money as a tool to advance God's kingdom. 
and one of the ways we counsel is is that there's a lot of there's a lot of good things good things to give to the question really is is it a gospel thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's not to say that you can't also give to other good things um, but is it a gospel thing and 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 does it lead is the point of it to lead people to the eternal life that is only found through Jesus Christ and and one of the ways that we disciple people is it's really hard to hear the gospel when your belly's empty mm-hmm. All right, an African pastor told me that one time it's really hard to believe God loves you when everybody in your family is dying of waterborne disease. You know what I mean? It's not impossible because what seems impossible for man is possible for God. It's just really hard. Mm-hmm. And and these things are injustice. There's it's like we as God's people, we don't stand for that. We say no to the work of the enemy. And Jesus, 1 John 3, 8 tells us that Jesus came into the world to destroy the works of the enemy. And so in Jesus' name, we partner with him, destroying the work of the enemy that would seek only to steal, kill, and destroy children's lives all over the world. And we do that um, with and through Compassion International as the Church of 1122. And so in Jesus' name, I mean... I don't know, man. Does it, if it's not in Jesus' name, I'll say this. I'll say it this way. I know for sure if it's done in Jesus' name, it is done with an immense amount of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the video we saw in service tonight, she said, many sponsors will never meet their compassion child on earth, but they can. They know that they'll stand next to them in mm-hmm. heaven for eternity. And that was a really good eternal perspective for me Because someone like me, I've been on mission trips. I've yet to go to Africa. I don't know that I've seen the abject poverty that you talked about in sermon or or you, you shared. And like you mentioned, Kenya hasn't had significant rain in three years. I have no category for that. I have no category for what it's like. I mean, we were panicked buying toilet paper from Costco when COVID was happening because everyone was afraid toilet paper was going to run out. Right. And, and so sometimes you hear people say, well, don't we have tons of kids here in the States that need help? And shouldn't we be helping them? Why give our money to a global organization? I'll take that one. <laughs> Oftentimes, human nature, which I think is usually rooted in the posture of of, of self defense, um, human nature creates an either or that's not real, mm. and that's not a real okay. either or for God's people. It's an and both. And that's what I was going to say. And both. Yeah, and Jesus, Jesus gave us the missional mandate, which mm-hmm. is in Acts 1.8. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is the city you live in, Judea and Samaria, which is like your surrounding region, your country, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, including yours, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. And lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. And so... It's and both, man. It's sure. and both. It's not either or. And some people, um, there are some, some people. There are great organizations at work breaking chains of poverty in our city, and we talk about them and we partner with them, and we also partner with Compassion International because it's an and both thing. And I would just set anybody free from that either or. It ain't. Yeah. That's not real. Sure. Uh, I get asked this question a lot, and I know uh, we talk about this sometimes that different church leaders listen to this podcast, and sometimes church leaders will say, man, you guys are are all in on this compassion thing. And we're like, yeah, for sure. And I learned this from Pastor Joby, which most things I've learned from Pastor Joby, but I learned this from Pastor Joby, and uh, what's behind the question that a lot of times they're asking is don't you feel like you're cutting that amount of money off 
and it's going to compassion instead of going into the ministry of your local church. They're not saying those words, but that's generally what they're they're fishing for. And if you do the math on the 14,000 kids sponsored through 1122 over the last 10 years, it's millions and millions and millions of dollars. Sure. Millions. And the way Pastor Joby has explained it, and I think he's right, is that generosity, kingdom generosity, begets generosity. Mm-hmm. Generosity grows generosity. And so, and we're one church in a great kingdom. And we're not going to be just focused on our little thing. We're going to be focused on his thing. And his thing is the kingdom of God advancing mm-hmm. all over the world. And so um, I just think that sometimes we create false narratives sure. that just aren't real. And they certainly aren't reflective of the kingdom. Yeah, and, yeah. and to pit what's happening in Jacksonville against what's happening in Kenya or vice versa, it's not healthy. And, and so right. it certainly doesn't lead to a whole a holistic view of what Jesus is doing uh, around the world. Yeah, that's, so. good. that's good. Anything you'd add to that? Not one bit. I think you <laughs> nailed it. Yep. Yeah. I, I had one thing that I thought of when you asked the question. And you, um, and it, maybe it's also coming back from Panama, which I want to take my family. They, prom- they promised me on a, <clears throat> excuse me, a Mother's Day that we'd all get down there. Um, but I, you witness abject poverty. And I come back thinking of being reminded that we are a very rich country. We're a rich country all across all avenues. Um, our support for people that don't have as much. So I, I'm an and person, and Allie knows this. I do a lot for the city of Jacksonville and kids here as well. But I still feel that those kids here in Jacksonville and other parts of poor America still have a lot more support in all the different areas than kids that I just witnessed in Panama or that we're supporting in Brazil and Uganda and Kenya and around the world, Honduras. And protect in a lot of ways, not just financially, not just with food, not just spiritually. All those things are richer. Um, or the avenue is richer. It's more available to them. But also the, this, the support of um, the, and not mental support, but um, health care, anything happened. There's just, there's just more here. We would not, we would not ever um, live or consider living in that regard if you saw it, if you saw it firsthand. And that's why I really think that everyone, I'm now on the Joby train. Everyone needs to go on a mission trip before sure. a certain time. And then it'd be nice if everyone in the United States, believer or non-believer, I think a lot of people would come to Christ if they saw how people that, could, that live in some of those parts without anything are so happy in their Lord. They've, mm-hmm. They have so much hope because they know Jesus. No doubt sure. about it. In fact, I would say, you know, talking about holistic development, I would say that in many ways, uh, the spiritual and emotional poverty is worse here yes, I than agree. there. I agree. Because those people in Panama or Kenya or wherever, um, the only thing they have is Jesus, and it turns out that's enough. In He's fact, enough. In fact, no the doubt. attention span also seems to be longer because they don't have a lot. So just in Panama, mm-hmm. just now I asked this little girl if she had a book. Um, and um, she only speaks Spanish, so it was obviously going to be a Spanish book. And I speak a little bit of Spanish. So I was asking her if I could read her a book. Would she go find me a book? She went back in her room. The only book she had was a book of stories about Jesus, a children's book story about Jesus. And I watched her as we read this book. It has a lot of words and very few pictures. And she is four. She sat and listened. And as soon as we said, hey, Zeus, big, huge smile. I mean, she got it. And it was just so interesting because I have grandchildren here and they're wonderful. I love them to death. But if I were to read, the which we have on the children's Bibles, you get this much text and we're kind of flipping to the next picture. You know, it just was amazing to me just to see the impact uh, and what they are different in that way. I talked about this last week on the podcast, but I think it's true here too. And I think one thing the Lord's teaching me about is the deeper the pain, the deeper opportunity for joy. And it's like, as the the valley is carved of poverty, trafficking, abortion, 
pain, loss, trauma, abuse, neglect, abandonment, these deep, deep valleys are carved. And then when when they find the hope of Jesus, a river, a lavished river, it just rushes in. And the deeper the valley, the more the, the water can rush and the more water there is. And, and it's why you hear it all the time when you see people in these villages. I mean, you told the story tonight of why are you able to trust God? Because he lets me. Like that's all that's all they're looking for is just that hope and how how deep that joy that they're able to experience is just so beautiful and so profound. So Pastor Britt, we know that you're passionate about global mission. Maybe some people don't know that, but and so you can talk about that a little bit. But um I know for a while you really wanted to move overseas and um be a long-term missionary. I know that you've been to several countries and seen the worst of the worst, some really dark, dark places. So this is kind of a vague, it's a, it's a broad question, but, and I know that there are many layers to it, but what do communities need to break the cycle of poverty? Is it this? And then my follow-up question to that is, is it the same no matter what country or culture you're in? But what are the basic or what do communities need to break the cycle of poverty? And do you feel like it's the same across countries and cultures? Well, it's a big question for sure. And uh, though I have traveled extensively and I've been in a lot of really abject, extreme poverty situations, um, that one would take a long time to answer. But I'll throw my my answers on the table here quickly. One is that communities need local Bible preaching churches. Mm. I just don't see a way that a community can be truly transformed, that community transformation can actually happen apart from the gospel. I, can't, I just don't see it. And I've been all over the world and places in the world that are predominantly not anything remotely resembling Christianity, other religions, whether that be Islam or Hinduism or some ancestral cult worship. Um, if there's not a local church with someone who is armed the Word of God and is is Bible preaching. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think. I think that's the number one thing we need for community transformation. And 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 then also, there's like a justice wheel that revolves around the local church. This these are basic human rights like education, mm. not just. Because uh, there's a lot of uh, – there's not many communities I've been in all over the world where there's not some form of education. But I would say it needs to be good education. Mm-hmm. They need to have the opportunity for good education. Water. Clean water. Um, you, you wouldn't – there are a number of communities that don't have clean clean water. Um, uh, so, social and economic development. Um, t- teaching people how to fish and then teaching them how to buy the pond and then teaching them how to buy all the land around the pond and to work the land and to pe- people need to, you have to be taught these things mm-hmm. and, and to grow in those things. And so it really community transformation starts with believing in people and not pressing them further down into poverty with good intentions um, but believing in believing that they have the capabilities, the the gifts, the talents to succeed and to and that, that success in their community may look very different than what success looks like in your community, but they have the ability to meet the needs of their community within themselves mm-hmm. and then to help partner with them to help them get there mm-hmm. and disciple them along the way. That's how it works, you know. Um, the the best book you could read on this, in my opinion, there's there's some good ones. Uh, it's called When Helping Hurts. Yes, um, I, Every North American that has the intention, desire, effort to want to help people around the world and to be a part of truly tra- communities being transformed. The book is is li- it's a life changing book, mm-hmm. and so um, at the core of the local church it is. It, again, the local church is not primarily an organization to be led. She's not primarily an institution to be stewarded. She's a people mm-hmm. that gather 
that are indwelt with the Spirit of God, that are solely focused on the gospel of God as revealed through Jesus Christ. And it grows them and it matures them and transforms them into the likeness of Christ. This is the local church. All right. And so inside that local church are people, and those people have four core relationships. They have a relationship with God. If that's broken, meaning it, it, you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you haven't done that, then you are not in right relationship with God. So that relationship's broken. So that's number one most, most important relationship. This is both on a micro-individual level and a macro level for a community, for a nation, for so a relationship with God. Uh, your relationship to others. Do you have people in your life that you care for and care for you? They're believing God's best for you, and, and you're believing God's best for them, and you want to see them flourish under God's rule and reign, right? Your, your relationship to yourself. You know, we talked about tonight in 2 Samuel 9 where Mephibosheth calls himself a dead dog. What a, that's heartbreaking mm-hmm. that someone would think of themselves mm-hmm. so poorly. That is not what God thinks about you. That is not how Jesus feels about you. That is not how you are to feel about yourself. Um, and so your relationship to yourself is the third one. And then the fourth one is your relationship to creation, meaning that God has given you a dominion to cultivate and to grow and to produce and to steward. And this is done through work. And this is where it's working the land or working your job. So these four relationships being right in a community is how communities flourish. It's how individuals, how my family will flourish and how families all over the world will flourish. And at the heart of that thing is the local church. And so again, it's just another like check in the compassion international box because they are empowering local churches. One of the things I love about Compassion is that of all the churches that we've planted with Compassion, of all the churches that we've sponsored kids through, with where all the projects are through the local churches, you're not going to roll into some community in East Africa or in India or wherever and see a church that has the, the words 1122 on it. You're not even going to see the Compassion name. Maybe, maybe very, maybe like one place at some. Um, but what you do see is the name of that local church. Mm. And to that child whose life is being transformed by those believers, um, that local church is the hero. And that local church has a hero, Mm. and his name is Jesus. And so everything is pointing that child toward the greater and truer story. So, Can I tell a story that, that it's my favorite compassion story? Uh, and it really illustrates what you said. So we got a kid named Simon in Uganda. We sponsor him. I work with Compassion, so I go on trips all the time. And I take my family all the time. Still doing that 14 years later, 15 years later. And we saw Simon's home one time, and it was awful, even by Compassion standards. And so we sent him something called a family gift. You can do that every year. The fascinating thing as a business person is we cap that. You can't give too much. kind of goes back to when helping hurts. And so we gave two family gifts back-to-back, two successive years. And the next year we went back. And um, when that happens, the money goes to the church partner, and they go to the family, and they kind of negotiate out what they're going to do with it. And sure enough, Simon's family uh, got a new house. And, you know, it was four or 500 bucks, not a huge deal. And we went back and saw this new house. And uh, um, when we drove up, my wife, who's four feet ten, um, Simon's mom tackled her Aww. in the yard and it was the most spontaneous, joyous celebration I've ever seen. Mm. And I tell you that not because of the house, it's because of what you said. So again, the money goes to the church and they kind of talk to the, to the sponsor. And then once they decided on a house, the church becomes kind of the general contractor for building that house. They're hiring the carpenters, they're buying the concrete, etc. And in the course of that house building, the church, not Compassion, not Kevin Myers' family, the church led seven members of Simon's family to Christ. Oh, and so the joy was, yeah, it was because of the building, the, the house, but it was because of the eternal ramifications. Amen. And so what Compassion does is we platform the church to be salt and light in their community. Wow. And I love how that illustrates exactly what Britt was saying. So good. It's crazy. Kevin, as someone who is on the front lines of this every day and traveling and seeing these communities, um, what keeps you up at night? Uh, that's a, that's actually an easy one because I asked that same question to a guy named Joel, who's the director of uh, our office in Kenya. Kenny keeps coming up. And I, I had like 20 pastors there, 
And I said, uh, you know, I was trying to create dialogue, right? And I asked Joel, this Kenyan guy, what keeps him up at night? Mm -hmm. And it got deathly quiet for like 30 or 45 seconds. And I, you know, it was, it was that awkward, uncomfortable silence. And I thought the, the question didn't translate into their culture or into, you know, English in his primary language. And after uh, about a minute, Joel said, what keeps me up at night is 51. And I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't know. And so I asked him, of course. And he said that when Compassion in Colorado, we're based in Colorado, says you guys can add 50 kids to the program, oh, the 51st kid keeps me up at night. Wow. And I pray to God that it keeps me up as well. Wow. That's really one of the things that drives me because every kid that you guys sponsor tonight, really, say, say you sponsor a 1,000 kids, really what that means is we can add a 1,000 more kids to the program. Mm -hmm. And there's some kid on the other side of the world right now that doesn't know Jesus and probably won't grace the, the doors of that church unless, unless he's offered the stuff uh, at Compassion. Wow. So that's what keeps me up at night, and it, it really drives my team. And uh, we go crazy to get one more kid sponsored. Mm. So good. So, Mom, you just retired. You mentioned that recently. And as someone who gets a serious front row seat to your life, I have seen that your retirement is, in a way, almost starting blocks instead of a finish line. Um, and so can you talk about, and it's compassion and it's other things, but what is your perspective on retirement and and what are you doing to leverage it for the kingdom? Well, again, it's, uh, I kind of sound like a broken record here. Um, this church and Joby and my walk have made a huge impact on my outlook and my husband's. I mean, um, I'm going to try not to get emotional here. Um, my career was my life, uh, or was my identity, I should say. My life was truly my family, my faith, et cetera. But my identity ended up being wrapped up in my career. And I got to the point, I talked about that a little bit earlier, where I thought that the ladder might be on the wrong wall. But you get really comfortable. And you also get, um, Joby said this before, I mean, I really related to a story when he talked about um, when you start to like the things of this world, they're very intriguing. And Joby's talking about flying first class and you get the amenities. And and I did, my company, I owned my own company for the last 20 years and it did really well, far far better than I ever thought it would ever do. But you, you tend the things of this world and my 40-year career, especially as a woman and in in, I was in a male industry, male-dominated industry, I was always trying to break the next glass thing, always trying to climb higher, always trying. So I sacrificed a lot of things at my home. I was gone a lot. Um, I sacrificed some of my own personal beliefs and integrity at times because it was what I thought I needed to do to make it, to hang with everybody, hang with the guys, be at the top. Um, and so through this church and through the lessons I've learned biblically and through my faith, I started to say, is this it? I can make a whole lot of money, I can keep going. Or is it time that I leverage? Because I watched other people where their health starts to go or something else starts to go. And I thought, this is the time. My husband's been great with our finance and he's been super supportive. I was going to retire at 65. He kept moving the date out there. But then I, you know, we just decided to do it. And I knew I wasn't, re I was retiring from the career and that identity. And what I really needed to work on, what I felt God was leading me to do is take all these things that you've experienced, a lot of them super, really good things. But I've also had some tragedy and some trauma in my life. Take those bad things and the good things and all your gifts and work it towards the kingdom. Because I don't know. I can't look at Allie and say this. I don't know how many years I've got left. And that dash, I don't want someone to say she ran a company. Mm -hmm. Or she was, one girlfriend said, you were always so busy. Um, I want it to be, or you made a lot of money, or you had a lot of things. I want it to be something that's more eternal. So I read that book. Back, actually, that book wrecked me because I realized how many things I was doing wrong. Um, and I decided that with this church, we're going to do more and more that was in Jesus' name and not all the things that we were doing that weren't directly related. And I was going to try to take this time to, to work on my identity as a child of God and not about me. 
It's um, he loves me, but it's not about me. Mm. And figure out how I can do that to serve others for the time I have remaining Amen. and show his love. Amen. Well, with that, preach, Mom. You got it. Come on. Um, with that, we're going to close. And uh, I just want to say thank you both to my mom for sharing her heart. And it's been a joy to watch your faith grow and your priorities begin to shift and reflect the depth of your relationship with the Lord. Um, and Pastor Britt, thank you for preaching the gospel and um, for saying yes this morning. I, I don't quite know the weight of preaching, but the way that you received that assignment and carried it out was so faithful. And it's just an honor to serve on staff with you and under you. And Kevin, thank you so much for your partnership with 1122, your friendship and um, your help as we continue to be the winner and leader <laughs> of child sponsorships. It's not a competition, but we're winning is what we always say. Um, but we're just so grateful for your ministry and I'm your on. yes yeah, every day um, and what you mean as a part of our family. Um, and, and for those listening, we have one purpose with this weekend. Well, A, we, we want you to know Jesus. That's always the purpose. But B, we want you to sponsor a kid. And so um, you can go to compassion.org. Mm -hmm. .com. Com. Dot com. So sorry, compassion.com. Let the notes reflect. And you can sponsor a kid. You can come to our services. Um, we'll have packets. Sponsor to 83393. There you go. I do want to know how many people texted sponsored to 441122 because that's kind of become our thing. Yeah. Uh, the good news is it reroutes them to compassion.com. Uh, but yes, text sponsor to 83393 uh, and get in the game. It is. I know that sponsorship is huge for these kids in these communities, but it does something to us as sponsors too. And so get in the game, but thank you all for this conversation and join us next week. We will be, um, we'll have a couple women on from first coast women's services. And we're going to talk about the nitty gritty, the hard, the dark of abortion healing and, um, trauma, sexual trauma and, shame and all of the things. So I really hope you join our conversation next week. Uh, before I pray for us, let me, I just want uh, one thank Pastor Joby. Uh, there are, and this is true of you too, Kevin, but I, I don't know how it all works exactly. But you and Joby will be standing in the kingdom uncontested one day, side by side. And there is going to be tens of thousands of children who were once children who were saved and redeemed and released from poverty and given purpose and identity in Jesus' name because God brought you all together and gave you gifts. And Pastor Joby has unashamedly and unapologetically fought for the least of these and the, the hurting and the cast out in the world as well as anybody I've ever known in my life. And no it's not a shtick for him. He cares. Right. And his heart beats for the things that Jesus' heart beats for. And so even though he's not here with us tonight, um, it's because of the work that God's done in him and through him that we're all here. And that many, many, many more people this weekend will be saved uh, uh, from poverty, released from poverty in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm thankful to him and I'm thankful to the, to the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And, um, I'm going to pray for him and for his healing. And it'll be kind of weird cause he might be like feeling all good by the time this airs, yeah. but <laughs> whatever, man, God's outside of time. Yeah, and so we're going right. to talk to him and, uh, I'm proud of our church. Should be. Yeah. I mean, they stepped up big through th and just stepped in. I don't want to stepped up big, so I don't want to say it, but like just said yes to the good shepherd, knowing that the good shepherd has said yes to them. And it's changing lives, man. And to be to say yes again this weekend to another child or another three children or whatever it is that God, the Good Shepherd, tells you to do, and just do what He says to do. And uh, our church continues to do that. And it's really amazing. So, let me pray for us. God, thank you for this time. We do thank you for uh, loving us, sending Jesus on a rescue mission for us. I thank you for my friend and our pastor and leader, Pastor Joby. Um, I just pray that he would be healed in Jesus' name. 
um, from the sickness that he's working through. We thank you for doctors and medicine, and, and we just pray for a quick recovery. And, and uh, we thank you for the children all over the world who are um, who maybe they just feel hopeless right now. God, I, I don't even know where all they are, but you do. And I just pray that you would speak to them in the deepest parts of who they are and that they would feel and be reminded or know, maybe learn for the first time that you love them. Yeah. Pray that they would be filled with dreams of Jesus and that they would be filled with uh, visions of a king who loves them. And uh, God, would you help us to help them? And would you use us to set children free in Jesus' name? And, and we boldly stand on the promise of God and the gospel of God, knowing that it is the power of salvation and that it saves us eternally, um, but it also saves us today. And um, we thank you, Jesus, for all you've done, for who you are, uh, for what you're doing in and through us. And we give you all the glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.